talk, thought, good song. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22, if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one near you in a chair. It has a hard black cover, Proverbs chapter 22. When you get saved, Jesus comes in your life. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a great truth, amen? This is our seventh uh, message in this series. Our Sunday night series is a series on being wise in a foolish world. It is a series focused in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, of course, is the book of the wisdom of God and learning what it says and applying its principles will make you and I wiser. And every one of us as believers need to be wiser uh, in our world. It is my desire, and I believe the desire of the people who are here on a Sunday night, to be wise beyond our years. If you're here tonight and you're 10, uh, you want to be wise beyond your years. If you're here tonight and you're 80, you want to be wise beyond your years. Growing older is inevitable. But not everyone grows wiser as they grow older. Uh, God help us to grow wiser. Last week, we started our third of the 12 blocks in which I've broken the book of Proverbs. We began speaking about wisdom in our labor. Remember, we spent a couple of weeks talking about wisdom in our home. When I finish up wisdom in our labor, we'll move on to wisdom with our money. There are wise ways and foolish ways to consider and balance our work and our leisure. Here's the key question. Does a life focused on entertainment and leisure leave a person more fulfilled than a life of diligence? Remember, that's the key question. Most of our culture lives for leisure. They live and their goal is to do nothing. Does a life of leisure and doing nothing leave someone more fulfilled than a life of diligence in labor? We talked last week about how there is some kind of profit in all labor. Labor profits us monetarily, and it profits our soul. Uh, Far too many people miss the satisfaction in life God wants to give them because they are not a diligent laborer. laborer. There is profit in all labor. We talked about why we labor. We were warned not to labor to become rich if we would be wise in our labors. We labor diligently to have enough, enough to provide for our family, enough to be a generous giver, enough to enjoy some leisure. We began but didn't finish talking about how we labor, because how we labor matters if we would labor wisely. We talked about those who have the wisdom of God uh, working hard without their boss watching. And we exhorted one another to become more self-motivated as we labor. Remember, no one receives salvation from God because of their labor. You could work 16 hours a day for 60 years for the Lord, and you would never have worked enough to deserve forgiveness of your sins. Uh, Salvation is by the grace of God. It is the gift of God. But on the other hand, as believers in Jesus, we will live without some of the satisfaction that God wants to give us in life if we do not become wise in our labor. How can I be wise in the eyes of God When it comes to my work ethic, my attitude about work. Go ahead and stand, please, if you would, in honor of God's word. We're on our second part of wisdom in our labor. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13. Proverbs 22, 13. The slothful man saith, there's a lion without, 
lying outside. I shall be slain in the streets. Turn up a couple of pages to Proverbs 26, verse 13. The slothful man saith, there's a lion in the way. A lion is in the streets. Now that seems interesting. What in the world is God trying to teach us about our labor and being wise in our work? Go ahead and be seated, please. Remember, our labor is how we handle our tasks at home. Our labor is how we handle ourselves in school if we're a student. Our labor is how we handle ourselves in the workplace if we are an employee. Our labor is what we do in ministry, our work for the Lord. In fact, chapter 25 and verse 1 in Proverbs says these words, These are also the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. And so, when we notice that Proverbs chapter 26, 13 was very similar to Proverbs 22, 13, we understand that uh, this must be something important. Now, when we read it, it seems kind of mystical. Not really obvious. But yet, it was important enough that the Spirit of God in the book of wisdom would say this to us twice. Now, these are a couple of Proverbs where we really need to pause and meditate a bit to grasp what God is trying to teach us. You see, in ancient Judea, there were lions. You may remember Samson killed one with his bare hands. You may remember that David killed one defending his sheep. But, of course, by the time Solomon came along and the population in Israel had gotten a lot larger and uh, was not as rural as it was, especially in the days of Samson, you know, lions were not commonly found. In fact, lions, generally speaking, avoid people, and they certainly avoid cities. And so when you think about a lion being in the way and a lion in the street, that's not a very likely thing to happen. Now listen, you could live in the city of Cincinnati and be killed by a lion. I mean, it is possible that one would get out of the zoo, get out of the fence, and you being in the street, and you run into the lion and it kill you. But you know what? That's not very likely to happen. And so if you use that as an excuse not to work, that's a demonstration of you being lazy, a sluggard, slothful. You see, those who are lazy, those who are slothful rather than diligent, they make excuses for why they cannot do what they should do. You might even say that they find this worst-case scenario instead of a realistic difficulty as a reason to make their decision. So as we think about this issue, are you wisely considering how you labor? Number one, we need to be careful making excuses why we cannot labor. If you and I would be wise in our labor, as God looks at wisdom, we would not make excuses for why we don't do what we should. There's always an excuse for being late. Always an excuse to not listen to the boss. Always an excuse for not getting a task done. Always an excuse for not starting something. Always an excuse for not finishing what you started. Someone wisely said, we either find a way to do something or we'll find an excuse for not doing it. Uh, just this weekend, we were at the men's camp out, and uh, we were playing this nine-square game, and and one of the uh, lots of people were playing. Some of the little guys were playing, and, and one of the little guys had had, had missed 
uh, the ball, and uh, he come out and said, well, he missed it because his mom didn't pack his hat. Uh, listen, we will always find a reason or an excuse. Are you the kind of person that tends to find a way, or are you somebody who tends to find an excuse? See, one of the difficulties in growing diligent in our labor is it's really hard sometimes to be honest with ourselves as to whether we're really making an excuse or we have a legitimate problem. It's tough to see ourselves clearly. By the way, that's the reason the wise man said in Proverbs 20, verse 6, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. And, and by the way, that's a good observation about men. We are very quick to point out our own goodness. But you see, being honest with ourselves and honest with God, though it is difficult to do, it is one of the most important things you and I ever do if we're ever going to stay right with God and if we're ever going to be wise in our labors. In fact, if you've, ever, if you've ever talked to somebody that you know is lazy, they're just lazy rascals. If you've ever talked to them, Proverbs 26, verse 16 is just obviously one of the first things I always think of. It says, the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. I mean... You talk to them about their labor and what they don't get done, not starting what they should start, not finishing what they start, the amount of hours they work in the week, the way they look at their work at home, the way they look at their work in school. You talk to them and you listen to them, and they've got all kinds of reasons that sound great to them why they don't get done what they're supposed to get done. We need to begin to be honest with ourselves. Are we really diligent laborers? Are we really diligent laborers in our home? Are we really diligent laborers in our workplace? Are we really diligent laborers for the Lord? In fact, it's not just worst-case scenarios that we often offer as an excuse. Look at chapter 20 and verse 4. It says, A sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in the harvest and have nothing. You see, it is not just worst-case scenarios we use as an excuses. It's also difficulties and inconveniences. See, those who are lazy look outside and say it's too cold to plow. Those who are diligent put on an extra coat, hat, and gloves, and they plow anyway. By the way, notice the long-term result of having excuses there in verse 4 is you will beg and harvest and have nothing. You will inevitably in life have less than you could have had being lazy instead of diligent. And I want to just remind everyone, diligence is built. It is not born into each of us. If you're a student, you must choose to be a diligent student. If you and I have a home in which we work and clean and labor and do those things, we must choose to be diligent. When we go to our workplaces, uh, we can either choose to be diligent or we can choose to be lazy. Children like to blame their parents. Students like to blame their teacher. Workers like to blame their boss. Ministry leaders blame their pastor. Ministry workers blame their ministry leader. Wives blame their husbands and husbands blame their wife. Well, she didn't ask me the right way. You didn't deserve to be talked to respectfully anyway. (laughs) That's no excuse, but just do what you're supposed to do. 
You see, build diligence in your life because it produces more satisfaction in life. Listen, you live a life devoted to leisure, a life devoted to doing little, a life devoted to doing almost nothing. You will live a life devoid of the satisfaction of heart that God wants to give you. You see, wise laborers are not looking for excuses and they're not stopped by worst case scenarios or inconveniences or difficulties. Now, when we think about our labor in this world and our labor for the Lord, most of us are better at not making excuses for skipping our secular work than we are missing the Lord's work or not working in our homes. Um, We'll usually find a way to drag into work uh, when we're a little sick or we didn't rest well. You say, why? Because we want our money. Uh, On the other hand... Generally speaking, people often use the littlest things as excuses for not to keep their commitment in the Lord's work. I mean, I've known a lot of times whole families stay home and fail to fulfill their ministry because one child is sick. So what are they doing? They're doing what they really want to do. Uh, Cleaning crew opportunities, turns in the nursery, flippantly missed instead of switched. We never think about anybody outside of ourselves and think about, you know what, if I'm not there for cleaning crew, if I don't take my turn to nurse, you know what, somebody's got to be there. It's the difference in the attitude of those who are diligent and, and those who are slothful. In fact, in our culture, people seem to avoid any kind of real commitment to labor. And listen, if you're like that, you miss the satisfaction of laboring. You know, maybe I'm weird, and I probably am. But in my secular job, when I had one, I went to work. I showed up in time. I worked when I was at work. And if uh, it was a little rainy or the roads were a little snowy, I went to work. And by the way, because I got saved, I looked at my labor for the Lord in that same manner. I always thought to myself, well, if I would go to my secular job, why wouldn't I go to church? To me, it was an issue of faith. I am not going to do less for the Lord than I would for my boss at work. It may shock you, but you know, there are a lot of times when people serve here and they don't feel well. You say, why why would they do that for the Lord? For the Lord. I personally believe the depth of our faith is actually demonstrated when it's not easy to keep your commitment. When you have an excuse. Let me ask you, do you make more excuses to not labor diligently for the Lord than you do for your job? I remember uh, several years ago, there was a family that was uh, leaving the church. And I met with uh, them and the wife said this to me. She said, I don't want church to be like a second job. And the first thing I thought was, church is not a job. It's something I do for the Lord because he saved me, I believe, and I love him. And the second thing that went through my mind, and none of these came out of my mouth, they might have shown in my face. I I don't know if you're like this. I've gotten to the place in life where I keep my mouth shut, but my face still speaks what's in my heart. The second thing that went uh, through my mind was, why are you so concerned and so diligent in your labor for your career, but you don't care whether you work for the Lord like that? 
something's wrong. By, by the way, sometimes when, when you face Jesus, I, I believe we all ought to be faithful employees, no matter where you work. But, but I don't think that God is going to say, you know, uh, well, I'm so glad that you ignored my ministry and my church and your give, my gifts in your life so that you could get an extra time and a half check. Amen? Um, what does it take to stop you from labor that you're committed and supposed to do? It is not wise to be easily stopped to make excuses. And so I ask you tonight, how do you labor? Do you labor for the Lord in a way that He defines as being wise? Are you somebody who says, oh, well, there's a lion in the street, I can't go tonight. Not only... If we're wise in our labor, do we not make excuses? Number two, the way we choose to labor produces different results. Remember, there's profit in all labor. The reason we labor matters. How we labor matters. And in the end, what happens from our labor is different. I remind you again, there's no amount of labor you can do to earn eternal life. You cannot earn the grace of God. You cannot earn your presence in the, in the, on the golden street around the throne of God to see Jesus in His glory. You, you cannot earn that. It is a gift of God through Jesus Christ. But if we would be wise as believing people, we labor diligently. And one of the reasons we do is diligent labor produces different things than laziness. I hope you understand it is not the same to do as little as you can to keep from being fired instead of laboring diligently. It is not the same to do as little as possible to keep God from being angry at you or as doing as much as you reasonably can because you love Him. Listen, every serious believer and follower of Jesus ought to be one of the most conscientious employees in every company where we work. You know, let me say that again. Because that was insufficient. If you are one of the laziest rascals at your church, at your workplace, you are not a faithful follower of Jesus. That's a little better. By the way, it's pretty easy to shine and be a good employee in, in 2016. If you show up in time, if you work while you're supposed to work and, and put your dumb phone away, if you treat your boss with some level of respect and dignity and basically try to follow instructions, you're going to set yourself apart from almost everybody in your workplace. I'm going to tell you what, whenever I was a boss, I had zero respect for someone who said they were a Christian and was lazy. One of the things that has always helped me personally to try to build diligence in my life um, is the fact that Jesus is the rewarder of all labor. Here's another thing that always helped me. Look at Proverbs 24. And I understand it's not popular to show up at church and people talk about being diligent because we all want to be lazy. And I know you've got a reason why you're lazy, and you've got a reason why you show up late every day, and you've got a reason why you don't get your stuff done at home. And you got to, I understand that. 
I'm just saying that's not diligent. Uh, this morning I preached on Jesus' great heart when he said, come, come. Uh, tonight I'm preaching on diligence. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30. Here's another reason. Uh, he says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles and had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. He said, then I saw and I considered it well and I looked upon it and received instruction. So what are you saying? The wise men went by the guy who was lazy and he looked at all the weeds growing in his, in his crops. And he looked at the stone wall that marked his property line. It was all messed up. And he says, you know what? I learned from that. I learned and I saw that the product of laziness is not something I want. I understand that God chose every one of our natural gifts and spiritual gifts. I understand that. I understand that uh, diligence for all of us doesn't produce the same thing. I understand that. But you know what? I don't care. I don't care if your diligence produces a $300,000 house and a brand new car every year and two, uh, a beach house. I don't care. All I care about is that I would take whatever gifts that God has given me and that I would apply them 100% to produce the maximum amount that I can produce because someday when I see Jesus, I want Him to look at me. I want Him to smile. And I want Him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he's not going to compare what I have to you have. He's not going to compare my ministry to somebody with 500 or 1,000 or 5,000. I don't think he cares about that one bit. What I think he cares about is that you and I find what he's given us to do. You and I find the gifts he's given us. And that we apply those with 100% diligence. And whatever that produces, I believe that pleases him. What kinds of things are produced? When we're wise in our labor. See, everybody wants the product of wisdom and labor, but they don't want to be wisdom and have wisdom and diligence in labor. N- nobody looks at those broken down stone fence and the vineyard that's full of weeds and say, wow, I'd like to have that stone wall and I'd like to have a weedy garden. What is it that wise and diligent labor produces? Notice the first thing it produces is there in chapter 26 and verse 14. It says, As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. The first thing diligence produces is better rest. Better rest. Now, there are a lot of people that take meds to sleep. I'm not going to go so far as to say that no one ought to ever take them. But I will say this, long before I would ever take any meds to sleep, I would get diligent in my labor. Because, I know this is rocket science, I want you to get ready. Do you know what I've learned? The harder I work, the tighter I get, the better I sleep. Rocket science. Like a door turns on the hinges, the slothful just rolls and tosses and turns. One of the things diligence produces is better rest. Now, I don't know about you. I, I don't think we ought to be sack rats. Uh, I don't think we ought to slub, uh, love sleep. Uh, but you know what? I, I, there's nothing 
uh, a few things better than, than just a good night's rest. By the way, I didn't get one on the guy's camp out. I mean, it was like 99 in my tent. And in our house, our air conditioning is better than 99. There are a lot of practical benefits to being diligent instead of slothful. One of them is better rest. What a great benefit, amen? I want that end. Uh, Here's another benefit. Go back in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 12. By the way, we're studying the wisdom of God. God didn't just teach us about eternity. He did teach us about eternity. God also taught us about life. Notice what he teaches us here, another product, in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Here it is. Those who become more diligent end up leading those who are lazier. Now, choosing to be diligent instead of lazy will bring you more promotion, and you'll bear rule instead of being ruled. Being under tribute. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a follower and, and following a leader. We all function at that, in that way at, at times. On the other hand, I think most of us would probably prefer to lead rather than follow. Diligence is a quality that leads to promotion. By the way, one of the things you need to guard against in your life is having this idea that everybody that has more somehow hit the lottery. You know, most people that have more, it's because they're diligent in life, they handled what they had some kind of way with wisdom, and they avoided people and habits that destroy people. It's not rocket science. The wisdom of God teaches us that choosing to become diligent is an important aspect of becoming a leader and being promoted the workplace, and in the ministry for the Lord. Now, our culture worships talent. And we don't seem to pay much attention to the fact that talent without diligence is useless. And sadly, some with talent achieve little or nothing because they do not become diligent with their talents and gifts from God. Those who are wise in their labor understand diligence produces more promotion, and promotion is a product and an end of being diligent, and we want that, amen? Not only does it give us more rest, not only does it uh, cause us to uh, become more of a leader, uh, Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 4. By the way, this is very clearly in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4, the, slu- the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Here's the third thing diligent produces. It produces less unfulfilled desires. Do you see that there? The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. Now listen, some of the desires we have in life are good and healthy. Other desires, if we're honest, are just selfish, prideful, ungodly, and at times even unreasonable. It may seem like an un Reasonable desire and a foolish thing to you, but you know, one of the things I always wanted when I became a young adult, I wanted to be an executive. And I wanted a pond. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I'm talking a pond that I could just walk out in the morning, walk out on my dock, or, and, and just make a few casts to hand-filled fish, catch them, look at them, toss them back, and then catch them again the next day. The 
that's, there's no profit in either of that, those desires. Not that there's anything particularly wrong with them. But you know what? Our desires are like that. We have some that are good and profitable and some they're really just not. But because you and I have so many of these desires, having unfulfilled desires is a part of life. But if you are lazy instead of diligent, you will always have more unfulfilled desires than those who choose to be diligent. Those who are wise in their labor understand diligence leaves us with less unfulfilled desires. Turn it from your Bible to Proverbs 22. The product of diligence and the product of sloth are very, very different things. You rest better. You end up in more leadership roles. You have less unfulfilled desires. And notice Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 29. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. And that word mean there is like our word average. You know, you have a mathematical class. They talk about the mean, the average. If you are diligent, you'll stand before kings, not average men. Here's the fourth thing diligent produces. You'll always have a better boss. Uh, I spent my first 12 years in the workforce from about 6 to 18 working for my mom and dad and my grandparents on a little family farm in Michigan. Um, I joke around about it, but it probably is true. I mean, when I was 5 and 6 years old, they made us work. If you look at my Social Security record, you'll find that my mom began paying Social Security tax on me when I was 10. Um, she was paying me a buck an hour. I was probably not worth much more. But her integrity with the government was such that she did that. Um, When I was 18, after I graduated from high school, I worked for a temporary staffing agency. Uh, When I was at the University of Toledo, I worked three different jobs for the college. Uh, I worked for nine different bosses at three different companies as a Christian for 13 years before I went into, quote, full-time ministry. I worked for two different pastors as an associate. I've had a lot of bosses over the years. Uh, I had some really good bosses, and I had some that were rascals. I had one boss who, an employee who'd been with a company for 30 years, and he'd worked for him for nine years. While he was away on vacation, he demoted him, moved the stuff out of his office, got his replacement, put him in his old office. And so when he came back from vacation, his new boss was in his old office. You might say that's really not very good leadership, but that's the way he led. Um, I've had bosses that just literally willy-nilly came out and fired people, bosses who were uh, under the influence of alcohol, dropping F-bombs all the time. And I had bosses that were great bosses who taught me about work and life and in ministry and all kinds of things in business. Here's what I'm 100% sure of. It's always better when I had a better boss. Amen? Uh, And so I know this also, because it is a proverb, which means a general principle for life, that if I choose to be diligent instead of lazy, I'm going to work for kings instead of average men. So why is that? Good bosses are always looking for good people. 
By the way, I know he may get on your nerves, but Joe Clawwitter is a very good employee. I think he got on Jessica's nerves when he called their home Friday night from the camp out at 12.30 in the morning. Now, I thought it was funny, personally, and, and Mike Llewellyn had something to do with it as well. But I wouldn't want to throw those guys under the bus. And I think Josh Miller was somewhat guilty as well. So those three guys, Jessica, hunt them down. Did you know you guys woke up her infant? Now, now irritating habits uh, aside, he's a great help to me. And um, I hope I'm a good boss to him. If you become diligent in your education, diligent in acquiring a skill, diligent in your work ethic, it's just not going to happen that you work a minimum wage job for a lousy boss all your life. McDonald's, uh, guys, it's not a career. I got news for you. When they want to pay you 15 bucks an hour to work for McDonald's, Big Macs are going to be $7.11. People are so dumb. Uh, diligence in our labor at home is different than 9 or 10 hours a day at work and then just lounging around for the rest of the day. Diligence in our workplaces is different from doing as little as possible. I need some Mountain Dew. From a Duke cup. Diligence in our workplace is different from doing as little as possible 40 hours a week to keep from being fired. Diligence in the Lord's work is different from doing as little as possible to keep God from being upset at you. See, those who are wise in their labor, they greatly value diligence and they do everything they can to build it into their lives. Listen, I am not saying that people who are wise in their labor take no breaks, have no leisure, never go on vacation or never pause to rest. That's just not true. They do. And they enjoy those things. It's just that people who are wise in labor, they understand the place and role of leisure. Listen, leisure and doing nothing is a wonderful servant and a terrible master. Would discerning people who know you well consider you to be a diligent person? Do you need to build more of this in your life to be wise in your labor? No amount of work can save you. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. But on the other hand, those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will always find more satisfaction in life if we choose to be diligent. Are you? I know. I know. You've got a bazillion excuses and reasons why you can't labor. Because the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. I'm asking you this. Do you find a way to get it done? Or an excuse not to?
be honest. Amen? If you'd quietly stand tonight. If you'd bow your head.